Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. God, this morning as we open up Ephesians chapter 5 and we look at our passage for this morning, God, I ask that your Spirit would take control. God, that we would hear a word not from Zane this morning, but that we would hear a word from you. God, we know that we cannot do this life by ourselves. We cannot go through these things alone. And even though we might have family and friends that are around us that help us and give us comfort, encouragement along the way. We cannot do this without you. And so God, we ask that you would be with us here this morning, that your spirit would guide us, that you would allow us to take what we're gonna look at in in the Bible this morning and be able to use it and apply it in our lives as we leave here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am often stereotyped in my own home by my own people. And one of those areas that happens for me is is my videos that I watch on YouTube. I like to turn to videos from time to time that pique my interest. I don't know how things go at your house, but many times I walk in, the TV's already on, we're watching something, and I'm like, "What, what, what is this? Like, what are we doing here? What is on? So, you know, past church services that, that I like to watch are theological videos, sports things, dude perfect. I also get interested and stuck sometimes down a long, long portal of watching videos about history and geography because I, I like history and geography. And I came across a video uh, just recently talking about the Mississippi River and it's many tributaries. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Mississippi River, driven across it on one of the long bridges. But this video talked about how each river has its own current and its own flow, its tributaries that are going into the Mississippi River. But those change when they merge into the Mississippi River. It's a pattern that's changed because of the current and flow and the broadness of the mighty Mississippi River. And as I prepared this week, the correlation between what we're gonna talk about this morning, how before we are one with Christ, we carve our own path, mostly molded by the environment that surrounds us. But the moment that we become one with Christ, We merge to follow a path that only God the Father 
could set before us. One that is unimaginable, that has incredible power. One that's broader than anything else that we could dive into. And one that's deeper than anything that we could ever get ourselves into. And all of this is fueled by the mighty flow of the Holy Spirit that's deep down within us. So with that in mind, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. It's going to be our main passage today, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14 in chapter 5. So I'm going to be using the New Living Translation this morning, so you can follow along uh, with me here. Verse, starting in verse 1, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his, dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Without a doubt, the theme in today's passage is imitate God. It's what Paul is imploring the people of Ephesus to do, imitate God. And the reality is, is that Paul had essentially prayed this same thing for them in the latter part of chapter 3. is a passage that I preached on back in, in March. That they would, in Ephesians 3.19, at the end of that verse, it says, Be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I mean, that seems like a pretty good prayer, right? Something that we would ask from God, where we could be more like him. But it is something that Paul knows that he's got to tell the people and reiterate to the people and tell them again 
because he knows that it's a problem. And so now he's moved to the more practical side of not just telling them, but showing them how to do these things, to imitate God. And also, as Paul does so often in his letters, he also gives the readers a nice message of how to also avoid certain things, okay? Stay away from these things. So as we study Paul's instructions this morning of being an imitator of God and what that should look like in our own lives, we're going to split this into two separate lists. The first one that we're going to look at today is what not to do. Do not do these things. The second list that we're going to look at is things that we must do. Not things that we should do or things that would be a good idea. Things that we must do as followers of Christ. So, let's, let's jump right in here and take a look at this first list. As we look at what not to do first, let's go back and read verses 3 through 7 out of chapter 5. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. In verse 3, Paul gives us a list, and he's, he's going to do that again in a little bit later in verse 4 as well. But in verse 3, he gives us a list of sins that we're going to categorize this morning as sins of action. Sins of action, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. He's writing to a group of people in Ephesus that were daily bombarded by these temptations of sin that were around them. Does that sound familiar to you? being bombarded daily by the temptation of sin that is in the world around us. You know, the reality is that the culture of the people that Paul was writing to in the book of Ephesus in many ways is the same culture that tries to infiltrate our homes with sins that bring damage and destruction to our lives. And sadly... This is common among unbelievers, but it should be absent among God's people. Paul also reiterates, as he does in other letters as well, the link and the, the, the awful web of tying sexual sin to impurity and sexual sin to greed and impurity to greed. And we see that connection 
that in living in a lifestyle of sexual immorality is, in essence, impure. It is impure. Also, in falling into that sin, it manifests greediness inside of us. Because when, when one falls into those sins, the one person that they're thinking about the most is themselves and pleasing themselves. And so sexual immorality, impurity, and greediness, we see here Paul telling us these are sins of action. In verse 4, Paul lists sins of what we will categorize this morning as sins of speech. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. As I prepared this week, uh, this verse made me pause a little bit and really take a look at, at myself. My kids have given me the opportunity to travel all over the place, all over, feels like the country sometimes, uh, watching them compete and do the different athletic things that they're involved in. And, and we would rather be in no other place doing that and following them around doing those things. Ronnie prefers that I have a headset on and I'm on the radio so that I don't share my opinions uh, with everyone else that is around us, especially maybe the officials sometimes, so that my foolish talk uh, to an extent is squelched to right here. The reality is for us, what we must understand together is that our words matter. And they convey, to an extent, who we are. And we don't know who's watching us. We don't know who's listening to us. And we don't know who's even looking for us sometimes to say something. And so we must be careful with the words that we use and the words that come out of our mouth. And you know, it's interesting. Paul gives special attention to this particular list as he lists them out in verse 3 here. And he offers an alternative. Let's look back at, at verse 4. He says, Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. And then listen, listen right here. He says, Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. I want to challenge you as I challenge myself as well. Be appropriate. Be intentional with your speech. How will a sinful world identify you? Sometimes it could be by the things we say. And so be intentional and appropriate with the things that you say to each other. These are sins of speech. Be identified by thankfulness to God, not by obscenities, foolishness, or coarseness. Let's continue to verse 6. It says, Don't be fooled by those who try and excuse these sins 
For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. What do we hear today? Excuses, excuses, excuses. It is wild, isn't it? It's crazy. We hear it over and over. It's, if it's not excuses, it's blame shifting, irresponsibility. It's not my fault. Or even the worse, it's not that bad. It's okay. Nobody's hurt. We're fine. Church, what we must understand together is that sin is sin. And it is in direct disobedience of what God is asking of his people. And what does sin bring to the sinner? We find out in many times in scripture and even in this passage today, the anger of God and ultimately the punishment of God. We must understand as followers of Christ, sin has no place. Continuing on in verse seven, Paul continues by saying, don't participate in the things that these people do. One of the commentaries that I used to study with this week easily explained this verse, and this is what it said. It said, it's not a matter of salvation in this instance, but a matter of identification. We are not like them anymore. Therefore, we ought not to live like them anymore. There has to come a point in our lives where we understand we can no longer be identified as with the world. Because as we walk out and you walk out today, you're gonna be stereotyped and you're gonna be put in a box and you're gonna be identified by people by what they see in your life. And it's this, this passage, this part of the passage is Paul imploring the Ephesians, do not do these things. Even as we get into this passage, just a couple verses up, if you'll look in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. All types of evil behavior. Sin is more than just a problem around us. It's an epidemic. And in summation, Paul says to the people of Ephesus, avoid all types of sin. You will be tempted. Avoid sinning. Sins of word and sins of action. So given what we need to avoid, let's turn the page and look at the things that Paul says that we must do. We need some good news. And so the first thing that we see Paul tell us to do here in this passage that's good news for us is that we must, as followers of Christ, love like Jesus. 
Let's read Ephesians 5, 2. Live a life filled with love, full of following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This is a call to love selflessly and sacrificially. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still sinners, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. The sacrificial love of Jesus. Paul points to Jesus as the ultimate example of what a life filled with love looks like. But also he illustrates for us something interesting as we get to the end of this verse. It's a picture that he's taking from the Old Testament sacrifice by describing what's happening there as a pleasing aroma to God. And I know that, that Matt uh, has gone through uh, the book of Leviticus, and so I want to just remind you about some of the things that were mentioned in the first part of Leviticus. The burnt offering, when it's talking about the burnt offering in chapter 1 of Leviticus, in, verses, uh, cha- in chapter 1, verses 9, 13, and 17, as he's describing the burnt offering, he says it is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 2, is he's talking about the grain offering. He mentions in, in chapter 2, verses 2 and 9, that it is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And then in chapter 3, as he describes the peace offering, in verses 5 and 16, he says it is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So as these sacrifices were being made in worship to God, we see here as Paul describes the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, he describes it in the same way as a pleasing aroma to God. John fifteen thirteen in Jesus' own words, He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And in his love for us, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And it is a special gift. And we know that it is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. 
And so for us, what has he asked us to do? It's to love like he has loved. We must love like Jesus. The second thing that we see that we must do from this passage, if we're going to be imitators of God, is to live like Jesus. Let's look at verses 8 and 9 of chapter 5. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you, which produces, or, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. This is much more than a call to abstaining from doing things. It's a call to complete change. So the two questions kind of come our way for us that we have to answer if we're going to take this step and take this next move forward. Who do we live for? Who do you live for? Who do I live for? And the second question is along the same lines, who do we stand for? Who do you stand for? Who do I stand for? One of my favorite books over the past couple years has been uh, 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, it says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So are we lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness? Are we practicing? Are we not practicing the truth? But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Christians, the message for us is that we should live who we are now because of Christ. Not because of anything else that happens in our lives. But it is solely because of Christ. And because of this, there's something special that happens. Although temptations still exist and our desires but our desires will change from immorality and impurity and greed to producing the things that we just read about in this verse, which come from the fruit of our lives as Christians, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is good and right and true. This is in direct opposition to the sins that Paul just listed in the first part of this passage. And so for us, it takes on a completely different meaning. It doesn't mean just abstaining from doing those things that we're tempted to do, those things that we know are sins that are around us. But it's taking a complete different approach and moving in the exact opposite direction of those things that we know 
will catch us. Live as Jesus has called you to live. And simply put, live like Jesus. The third thing that we can take from this passage as we look to things we must do to imitate God is to have logic like Jesus. Let's read verses 10 through 12 in chapter 5. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Many stories throughout the Gospels, we read about Jesus, and he is exposing sin that is around him. But also, in the same way, we read stories about him doing those things that pleased the Father. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Or, sorry, Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Following Jesus not only changes our love and the way we live, but it also changes our mindset, the way that we think about things, the way that we view things. When we step into a room, we step into a new surrounding, when we step into a familiar surrounding, because we are one with Christ, it not only changes the way that we live and we love, but it changes the way that we think and the way that we go about doing things. In the previous chapter, Paul put it like this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So as we walk by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and only by his leading in our lives, in his truth and the knowledge of his will, what is pleasing becomes more and more clear to us as we walk down that path with him. We need the transformational power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think that we would all agree to that this morning. But what are we doing to make that happen in our own lives? We need that to transform our thoughts in our minds this morning. So we must have logic like Jesus. The fourth thing that we can take away from this passage this morning is that we must shine our light like Jesus. Verses 13 and 14. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. 
This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Paul finishes by reminding the reader of an incredible thing that happens when light exposes darkness. When light shines, even in the darkest of places, darkness has no place to hide. And therein lies the goal of Christianity for us, to bring the light of the redemptive gospel message of Jesus Christ into the evil darkness of the world that is around us. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And later in John chapter 8, verse 12, a familiar verse of scripture for us, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. Why would we let anyone walk around in darkness? It's impossible to go or to do anything anywhere in the darkness. We've been given the duty and the privilege as followers of Christ to share the light that leads to life. We must shine our light like Jesus. As we finish this morning, I want to tell you a story. Benjamin Franklin wrote in his autobiography about a time where he tried to convince the people of Philadelphia to light the dark streets at night. He failed to do that by just describing what it would look like and how beneficial it would be. His words alone, they just, they weren't that convincing. So he went out and bought an old lantern. He cleaned it up, put a big candle inside of it, hung it in a prominent spot in front of his house. And each evening he would go out as it got dark and he would light the lantern. And he records that it, it didn't take long for his neighbors to notice and they noticed the benefits of that light in the dark streets. And quickly, others around him, and eventually, all over the city, began to do the same thing. And it led to many all over the city in Philadelphia becoming one of the first public lit cities as it got dark. Samuel Johnson is quoted as saying, Example is always more effective than simple speech. And this morning, church, we can see it's why children 
become like their parents. It's why athletes become like their coaches. It's why students become like their teachers. It's why churches become like their pastors. And it's why Christians become like their God. Ephesians 5.1 says, Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, we must be like God. And it must be in everything that we do. And even though we might not be told, and even though sometimes we might not realize it, somebody is watching. And as they see us imitate God, they understand what permeates from our life. We don't have to carry the burden on our own back. God is here to carry the burden for us. What he's asking us to do is imitate the things that will bring him glory. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We know that you have given us great reason and purpose to do the things that you have asked us to do. So God, as we go about each one of our own journeys to find what your will is for our lives, we know that there are things that we have to stay away from, those things that tempt us, that bring us down, that cause us to sin. God, we also know that there are things that we must do that your scripture has laid in front of us, given us a game plan, a map, a way, given us the ultimate example in sending your son Jesus. So as we look to him in the way that he lived his life, we understand that by imitating Jesus, we imitate God. So God, this morning, I ask that we would turn and look at ourselves, that we would examine our lives, and God, that we would all turn to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.